versus the world productions podcasts and blogs by geeks for geeks www.vtwproductions.com we are at war we need a team let's do a head count the super soldier the demigod a couple of master assassins and there's me Yeah, we have a gnome. Welcome to VTW Productions and our coverage of the 2012 Phoenix Comic Con, featuring your favorite superhero commentary team, the Casuals. Casuals assemble! Hi folks, this is the Emperor. I'm here to remind you to listen to the Emperor's Court, right here at VTWProductions.com. That's the Emperor's Court. Your three-hour break from internet porn. Welcome, everyone, to the Phoenix Ultimate Geek Smackdown! Thursday, Thursday, Thursday in room 121. I want to thank everybody for coming out. We're going to get started here in just a minute. I want to tell you a little bit about Pugs and why this thing came together. So we've been a fan of... Uh, Comic-Con for a long time, but one of the things we noticed is that people would come and really represent in one area. Uh, it might be sci-fi or it might be comics. And we, wanted, we wondered, was there someone out there who could really dominate in every single one of these categories? Could one... Hey, there's people out there who brag, but when uh, the metal meets the road, are they really going to own up and, and be able to uh, perform? So we said, what if we came up with a bunch of questions? The questions that plague the world of geekdom, the things that start debates, fist fights, lightsaber battles, and all of those things, and put people on the spot and ask them to fight. It worked really well. <laughs> we had eight people last year, mostly coerced, uh, some bribed, <laughs> step up and debate questions that we gave them. And at the end of the evening, one of our most reluctant uh, contestants, Chris Calling, reigned supreme. Uh, Chris was amazing because even when it came down to topics he knew nothing about, this man can bullshit like nobody's business. <laughs> and if you think being a real geek and not having a certain amount of bullshit involved, uh, it's just, it goes with the territory. Now, got some sad news. Uh, Chris has moved on. Uh, he's left this, well, this, he's left Phoenix. He's moved on to Austin, Texas. <laughs> So he's left the immediate vicinity, but he is still, uh, you know, in the mortal coil. Well, as mortal as a Phoenix Ultimate Geek Champion can be. So what we're going to have here tonight is we have 16 wonderful contenders over here that are going to come up and two at a time debate a topic, a topic that uh, we received suggestions for from many of you uh, that we came up with ourselves after consuming a lot of alcohol. <laughs> And we are going to unveil these topics to them. They are not going to see these topics in advance. They are going to see them. Actually, they're going to see them after you do because I just realized they can't see the monitor from where they're going to be sitting. <laughs> Small technical issue we'll work on later. So, for example, one of the topics might be, who is the better starship captain, Kirk or Picard? Well, that's not one of the answers. It's always going to be a binary, A or B, and they don't get to pick which side. I'm going to tell them, you have to do Perk, you have to do Picard. Hey, if you're really an ultimate geek, you should be able to argue either side. They're going to get five minutes to debate this, and then we're going to go to you by round of applause to pick the winner. The eight champions from the eight debates tonight are going to go on to the Pugs final tomorrow at 7.30 in this very room where boxes of prizes, a ridiculous trophy, and all kinds of fame will be on the line. It is so ridiculous, I can't even begin to describe it. The, the, trophy, the trophy last year, if memory serves, was a large lion being ridden by Chewbacca 
with, with Jordy LaForge riding in back, wrapped in gold LeMay, with C-3PO's head in the lion's mouth. Now, I consumed a lot of alcohol coming up with questions. I have no idea what Andrew over here does when she comes up with these trophies. So I want to thank two of my assistants in this, uh, Andrea and Jonathan. Please say hi. Andrea is the, uh, AKA the Midnight Movie Mamacita, who is, uh, ran the horror track last year and has, uh, what's your panel tomorrow? Saturday, don't adjust your TV set. And uh, Jonathan is the uh, blogger behind Lightning Octopus, which is a blog about local geek culture. Yeah. Two other shouts out. One to graphic designer Marty, who helped us put together the ridiculous things you are about to see. And another thank you to the most wonderful Bookmans for contributing to the prize set tomorrow and for just being a fantastic company. Yeah. Anyone ready for some blood? All right. Okay. If we can get our first uh, pair up here, we have uh, Zerum and Heather. All right. All right. Oh. And then also Tom and Audrey. Okay, the way this is going to work is we're going to reveal the topic, and uh, audience uh, feedback is uh, encouraged if you have an opinion on the relevant topic. Um, then we're going to assign the, uh, the person each topic here, and we're going to give them a, about five minutes or so to debate. Uh, the person sitting closest to me will get the first comment, then the second person will get the second comment. You'll get to debate for a while, and then when we wind down, We'll do it in reverse order, or actually the same order, so the first person will get uh, your final closing remarks, and then you will get closing remarks. Make sense? All right. Okay, we've got a question. Yes, in the front row. When does the audience get to speak? If it goes anything like last year, we wouldn't be able to get the audience to shut up if we tried. So, <laughs> so we thought about a lot of these topics making these questions. So if these don't elicit a response, then we're uh, not doing it right. So... Pugs, year two, semifinals, round one. So, and you are, say it into the microphone. Heather. And introduce yourself. I'm Zara. Zara. That's an H. Okay. Good to know later. Okay. Now, your topic is going to be which would you rather have, Harry Potter's magic wand or the power of the force? Oh. Shit, I want that one! Oh. Yes. Heather. I want that one. Hold on, hold on. We're gonna go ahead and give you Harry Potter's wand. Okay. And Zara, you're gonna get the power of the force. All right, so. Heather, make your, into the microphone, speak up. Go ahead and pull this. Why would you rather have Harry Potter's magic wand? Um, well, I can do what I want with it. Um, I can... <laughs> Cut your spells! not what I meant to sound like. Make sure you speak up and close into the microphone so everybody can hear you. Um, I... I can do my own spells. Um, it's really cool to whip out and show the ladies. That was unexpected, but okay. All right, Zara, response. All right, there's the Force, this thing in Star Wars. They give it to you, and you can do whatever the heck you want. Can I, can I stop? 
Whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> you want something to levitate? Do it with your mind. You got that. You know, you can do anything. And you got you got masters and you got you got beginners, but like you can all do it. It's amazing. So. Heather, response. Um, that is true. You can do things with your mind, but with a wand, I mean, if it breaks, you can always go get a new one. Um, <laughs> um, that didn't happen. That didn't happen to last Harry Potter. He broke it. Remember? <laughs> okay. And say if um, let's. I just forgot what I was gonna say. Um, oh, say if for some reason the force fails, you can beat someone with your wand. Like go hand to hand combat. Then you beat them up. Like. Keep it quiet enough so we can hear the debate. Keep it quiet enough so we can hear the debate. Zara. Well, you say you you know you buy a new one, but the thing about a wand is it's personalized to you. You break your wand. You can't get another one. There's only one for one person. So once you break your wand, you are now magical. You are a squib. You are unimportant in the magical world. If you have the force, it's in your brain forever. You can do whatever you want forever. What did Ron Weasley do when he broke his wand? He got a new one, but it didn't work as well. But he still got a new one. <laughs> is, it called, is it called Ron Weasley in the Deathly Hallows? No, it's called Harry Potter in the Deathly Hallows, okay? <laughs> okay, so final comments. Heather. Your final comment on the matter. Wands are cooler. <laughs> All right, Zara. Brain power. The force. Use the force. All right. <laughs> now, a big round of applause just for being the first to get up here and do this kind of silliness. All right. So... By round of applause, you're going to be my, uh, my backup judge here on, on, on volume here. Uh, who gives the debate to Heather? <laughs> to Zara. I say I actually love Harry Potter. I have a tattoo of the Deathly Hollows on me, so um, no respect, disrespect to Harry Potter <laughs> at all. So. All right. So next, we're going to go up to Tom and Audrey. Could you, Could you move Audrey the second? <laughs> all right. So we're going to juggle the mic so you each get one. Okay. Do we need to introduce ourselves? I think it's pretty obvious which name is which. I'm Audrey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm Tom. My parents were mean. <laughs> Okay, your question. <laughs> Round two, semifinals. Which kills children more effectively? Battle Royale or the Hunger Games? <laughs> All right. The real Tom, we're going to give you Battle Royale. Damn! Damn! And... Uh, you feel that's you want you want that? Do you know do you know that one? You're gonna give it up? Yeah, she's gonna have it. I'll take Hunger Games. All right. <laughs> Audrey gets Battle Royale and Tom gets the Hunger Games. Audrey, we'll start with you. Battle Royale. Well, simply with the Hunger Games, you still have a chance to live. With Battle Royale, they'll electrocute your ass and kill you within a few minutes. Like every hour, kids are getting killed. I mean, come on, you are guaranteed almost to die. For every single one, unless you can find some way of getting out of those certain designated areas right before it went. <laughs> okay. Right, nope, but it killed you. Very graphic and articulate. Tom. Come on, but before that, you have that whole period. Speak into your microphone. Get you, that mic up there. All right. You have that whole period where you don't know if you're going to get picked. It's that suspense and fear. It, it gets you before you even get to go into the battle. How about the shock of not knowing it existed until all of a sudden you're in a room and some crazy lady is giving you directions on a screen telling you, oh, yeah, you're going to die for everybody. Woohoo! <laughs> Valid point, but to be killed by your friends and peers? Well, in a sense, so were they in Battle Royale. They were killed by their friends and peers. They were killed by their own classmates. True. <laughs> you might not understand how debate works. You don't say true. Not supposed to give it to me. <laughs> Try that again. Try that again. Oh, man. Well, 
Yeah. Um, in Hunger Games, I mean, I don't know. It's difficult. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> this is tough. Yeah, because in Hunger Games, they also gave him a chance to learn how to survive. Battle Royale, they had no chance. She's debating for me. There you go. It's even better. Except I just turned your thing around because they had a chance. Battle Royale, there was no chance. They were screwed. They didn't even know how to use half the weapons they got. <laughs> well, then yeah. again, in the end, if the people didn't okay. like you, they killed Ta you anyway. Tom, how effectively did, battle, uh, did Hunger Games kill children? It was pretty effective. In the end, if they didn't like you anyways, they're going to kill you. If the people didn't, if the main... The ones running the show didn't like you. They kill you. Yes, Yet in Battle you. Royale, if you won, they sent you back in and you had to try all over again. <laughs> okay, final, final comments. Audrey. Battle Royale pretty much massacred a whole class of kids, more over 20, and I believe Hunger Games only had like, what, 12, 24? Yeah, this one killed a little over 30. Mm. <laughs> wow, good. You Congratulations for getting into this topic. Maybe a little too well. Tom, final word on the subject. I just got debated out, basically. I mean, I you were an ex excellent sport. I know. And incredibly chivalrous, I might add. Yes. So, that was the point. I was just giving it to her. We're going to our own little. We're going to our own little uh, battle royale here. So, uh, who thinks Audrey won? And let's get a big hand for Tom. I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all right, we're going to get our next group of contestants out. So I read all three books, and Hunger Games is awesome. Zara and Audrey are going to be joining us again tomorrow at 7.30 for the finals, and we'll bring our next round of semifinalists up. So. All right, we're going to keep right on going. So, so our summer semifinals round three. Could you please introduce yourselves? Danny. Robert. All right, Robert, go ahead and tip that mic up a little bit. Get that right up. Get nice and friendly with that bad boy. All right. Your topic. Can I get some water? Oh, yeah. After hydration, very important in debates. This is Phoenix. Are you, are, are you quenched? Are you good? Ah, tasty. All right. Your question for the semifinals, round three. Prepare your brains for which is the better spaceship, the Millennium Falcon or Serenity? Kudos to whoever came up with that question. That's a good one. Hey, you can't be the ultimate geek with the easy ones. I'm just saying. All right, Danny. Millennium Falcon, you've got Serenity. <laughs> Kick it off, sir. Um, two things. Weapons? Hyperdrive. Done. <laughs> the retort. Serenity has got way more of a crew than the Millennium Falcon ever did. And aside from which, it looks way better than the Millennium Falcon does but, when it flies. But the Serenity needs that much of a crew. You only need two people to pilot the Millennium Falcon and have it going pretty well, even jury-rigged. <laughs> that thing is jury-rigged 24-7, man, and they still fly it everywhere. And they still fly the Millennium Falcon everywhere, half-damaged, sparking all over the place, with only two people. How, all right, no let, way. Let me no give, way. Let me give you this. No what way. About, what about Nora accomplishments? Was way better. Let, me give, let me give you this. There was one episode in Firefly where there was heavy dogfighting with, with the Serenity, and that's on the planet. Throughout each movie, you have the Millennium Falcon outrunning an entire empire. 
They're not running an entire, like, federation or whatever that once. thing is. That was once. Once, that's the whole on premise of the show. That's like them no. getting away from them 24-7. But the point of the, of the Serenity is to stay out in areas that aren't covered by the, by the Alliance. With the Millennium Falcon, they sneak into and get out of the Empire constantly. That is Han Solo's job. That is what. That is how he pays the bills. That's how he buys chewy food. Serenity has done that a number of times. They've stolen medicine from. Uh, God, I can't, can't remember the Federation's name. Ariel. Ariel. Oh well, yeah, that episode. I'm trying to remember what the whole, you know. Ah, <laughs> thank you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they've stolen from, the, from their on, enemies a number of times. But in the Alliance territory, that's on the fringes of their known territory. The, the Millennium Falcon keeps going to and from everywhere in the Empire. Yeah, it's Once. like deep in there. So they do that one time, but they help everybody. They're fighting the Empire, but these guys are helping Everybody that has to deal with that team's bullshit, with that empire's bullshit, and they don't even have hyperdrive. They don't even have guns, and that ship runs every time. How many planetoids has Serenity blown up? It's not that her fault that it was canceled, and they didn't get to do more episodes about it. Everybody's so in love with Star Trek that it gets like six movies and a bunch of series. Okay, so a most vigorous debate, but time for final words. So, Denny. I'm sorry. I love both Firefly and Star Wars. <laughs> You're no longer up the here, Audrey. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon does have a much more recognizable crew. They have a much better track record. And what can I say? They have someone that can use the Force. <laughs> they have a more Hold on, hold on. The final word on the subject, please. They have a more recognizable pair of two people. Uh, they have one guy who uses the force while Serenity has super insane chick with psychic powers that could take out, uh, what, uh, like a hundred thousand people in a room probably? Uh, and they don't get the guns, and they don't get the hyperdrive, and they still do it. They still do it. They still do it. <laughs> All right. Okay. Quite enjoyed that one, but the moment of truth. All right. By round of applause, Danny and the Millennium Falcon. Robert and Serenity. Nicely done, both of you, but I think the winner is Robert and Serenity. All right, so let's move, move the mic down to the next pair. And go ahead and introduce yourselves. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm Tara. Okay. Your topic is round four. Who was the most, more brilliant mind of the 1980s? Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future or Egon Spendler from Ghostbusters? Oh, snap. Okay. Oh ben, you get Doc Brown. Jackpot. Sorry. <laughs> Hasn't started yet. Tara, you get Egon Spendler from Ghostbusters. And begin. Look, both are obviously great scientific geniuses. However, uh, Doc Brown was able to conceive of a way to not only go back in time, but to go forward in time using plutonium, and then trash. Uh, the, man, the man has found the best use ever for a DeLorean. <laughs> and has, inarguably, the greatest hair in the history of cinema. Okay, the retort, Tara. <laughs> I believe in you. Sorry. It's okay, it happens with these questions. Why Doc Brown did create a machine that can take us to the past and to the future. Egon did something amazing to help 
mankind all around, especially in New York. He found a way to trap ghosts. Now, I don't know about you guys, and I don't know about Doc Brown, but I don't want my grandmother come haunting around my house when I'm trying to get it on with my boyfriend. <laughs> a little weird. Let me but ask. see Doc Brown doing that. Let me ask you this question, though. Has Doc Brown ever unleashed a plague of ghosts upon a city? He didn't do that either. That was the mayor. <laughs> I think. Oh, snap! No, but Doc Brown changed the future and the past. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And he made them greater. <laughs> let, me, let, me, uh, let me move forward with this a little bit. Would we have flying trains if not for Doc Brown? Yes. <laughs> not in the past. Would we have a man and his ancestry all falling in dung throughout the course of history without Doc Brown? I think not. <laughs> but the, fly, the dung thing wasn't really Doc Brown, though. He was certainly involved. Okay, Without so... Sorry. So, oh, no, 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 no. I kind of wanted to see where this went, but I was worried there was going to be bloodshed down there. <laughs> <laughs> so, final words. Ben. As I mentioned, both scientists are great and uh, worth applause. However, Doc Brown is a man that could win the Nobel Prize in three different decades. <laughs> two different centuries and two different millennia. All right. Said. The, okay, the final word goes to Tara. Like I said, Egon and his crew got rid of ghosts, made New York and this world a better place because of it. And they drove the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Better doctor. Driving the Statue of Liberty is a notable feat, yes. But, all right, we go to our esteemed audience here. Was the winner Ben and Doc Brown? <laughs> or Tara and Egon? Tara, well played, but Ben, I think you are our winner. All right. Come on, who's lollygagging? Let's get our next contestants up here. So who out there in our audience is watching this going, I should have done this. I could do that. Yeah. So next year, make sure you come tomorrow for the finals. All right. Okay, we've got table one getting set up again. Could you please introduce yourselves, gentlemen? Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Orson Hyde. My name is Art Lee. All right, Orson and Art, I'm are Brad. you ready? I'm Janet. Hold still down there, Janet. All right, Orson and Art, your topic. Who has a better sword? He-Man or Lion-O? Wow. Ooh. We thought about doing better uh, underpants for this one, but we went with sword. Okay. All right, Orson, we're going to give you Lion-O. Very good. Art, you have a He-Man. Okay. <laughs> Calm yourself, Art. Calm down. It'll be okay. All right, Orson. I'm going through the database here. Yeah. Take a second. Remember your cartoons. All right. Orson, begin. 
as a diehard Thundercats fanatic who has tirelessly seen every episode of the show, I have to say... Uh, no, not the new stuff. I don't believe in that. Um, <laughs> Lionel not only has a better sword, he knows how to use it. He's, it fits his outfit. It goes very well. It's got a very beautiful jewel in it. He can't compete. Also, his sword, it's good, but he can fight without it. He-Man, as Prince Adam, you know what? He loses that sword. He can't transform. All right, hold on. Save, save part of the debate here. Okay, all right. Um, I think <laughs> that uh, my opponent raises very good points. Uh, however, um, I would have to say that, that He-Man's sword, um, uh, by tapping to the power of Grayskull, uh, is, is uh, clearly a superior item. Um, it, it gives a much larger uh, reserve of, <laughs> of, of powers, um, and uh, it's just overall bigger, firmer, uh, <laughs> hold on. Oh, hold on. stronger. Hold on. Um, In case I wasn't clear, we're talking about the, the sword. Yes, yes. okay. Yes. All right. The sword itself. Got a wee is, bit is worried there. Incredibly impressive, I'm sure. Because that's a different panel. That one's yes, tomorrow yeah. evening, yeah. Okay. Uh, sir, you artfully bring up the powers of Grayskull. They are notable and wondrous, and the sword is their vessel. So wait, we've got a big long stick that has magic powers. Is that a sword or is that a wand? Sure, I never saw him sharpen it. <laughs> Lionel uses his sword all the time, and it doesn't ne necessarily rely on a giant store of magic power. It relies on the wielding of its owner. Art? But then, intrinsically, then, Lionel's sword is just like any other sword. I could go down to Walmart and buy a sword then, <laughs> whereas He-Man's oh, sword... By the power of Walmart, a unique item. Tomorrow, sir. A clearly unique item, and... and uh, infinitely superior than the common, average, everyday sword that... An item that, unique, uh, however, not really a sword. <laughs> How many right. times did you see it sharpened? How many times Orson, did it cleave? Your, your final comments on the matter. Lion-O and his sword. Uh, listen, again, as I have to mention, die-hard Thundercats fan, and also a big fan of He-Man 2. My roommate does have Masters of the Universe sheets. That's no big deal. <laughs> But Lionel's sword is far superior, and it has a much better wielder. All right, you get, you get the it, final it word. You get the Given final the word topic on the topic. Is who has the superior sword itself? Uh, obviously, He-Man's sword is unique, uh, as opposed to the common everyday sword that uh, my opponent's um, wielder uh, uh, has. And so, you know, clearly, He-Man's sword is a unique, superior item. All right, well spoken. Well played. <laughs> okay. So, does the winner go to Orson and the Sword of Omens? <laughs> or does it go to Art and the Power of Grayskull? <laughs> Hold on now. I'm a little unclear. Okay. That sounded painful, but I, that was a little close. I'm not sure. That was close. I have, for here. the record, never seen an episode of Thundercats. N neither have oh, I. All right, again. All right. Orson. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll be seeing Art again tomorrow night. Now, to the end of the table. Gentlemen, please introduce yourselves and whatever the hairy thing is. I'm Brad. Janet. Did you introduce yourself, Brad? Yes, twice. All right. Speak up. Project. My name is Brad. <laughs> Hello, Brad. I'm glad you were able to make it this evening. All right. My car broke down outside. Can I use your phone? <laughs> Since you're here, Brad, I've got a question for you. All right. I would like to know 
who is the tougher dwarf? <laughs> Gimli from Lord of the Rings? Or Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones? Gotta watch them dwarves. All right, so, Janet. You're gonna get Gimli, Brad, you have Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones. Janet, you're up. One word, Legolas. He was a pretty good companion, that one. Speak into the mic, get closer to that the mic. The elf, dude. Come on. Legolas, Legolas, Legolas. <laughs> Just get me laid. <laughs> okay, that's an interesting approach to that argument. Um, Brad. She is a slut, Janet. Sorry. <laughs> Brad. What was his name again? Tyrion. Tyrion, Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion Lannister. Well, he's obviously the, the tougher dwarf because he doesn't need to hide behind that beard. <laughs> I'm going to go to a limb here. He can't rock the beard. That's why. He can't rock the beard. He doesn't need to. He gets all the ladies he needs. How so? <laughs> How so? He just does. That's, he's that magical. Really that magical, yeah. huh? Can we do Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going I'm, I'm to go out on a limb. You don't watch Game of Thrones, do you? No, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's there one of the go. challenges of the Phoenix Alderman Geek Smackdown. <laughs> See? You have Grimly, who ended up doing this fantastic... <laughs> Gimli, Grimly, it's a matter of phonetics. Phonetics, phonetics, phonetics. Okay, we're going to go right to voting on this yeah. one. Yes. I think we should have switched positions at this table. And then I'm... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've already had your chance in the sun. So we're going to go with... Okay. Um, so who thinks uh, Janet and Gimli won? Okay. Or Brad and Tyrion Lannister? <laughs> Brad, nicely played. But now I want to ask y'all, because that really didn't exactly get settled. By a round of applause, who's the tougher Gorf? Gimli? <laughs> Tyrion Lannister? <laughs> Sounds like y'all are going to give it to Gimli, but you know I might debate that myself later. All right. So, yeah. All right. So, thank you very much. We'll get our last group up here. Enjoying the Phoenix Ultimate Geek Smackdown? Thank you. So we have a lot of fun putting these questions together. So as you're thinking uh, of your own, we'd love to get them uh, either tonight or come tomorrow night. Actually, be much better. Give us your ideas for questions for next year. And we have a DM screen up here. Richard, Scott. Yeah, I'm Scott. You're Richard. Richard. Shit's apparently getting real. All right, so I'm going to top off my uh, little glass here. It wasn't water, I knew it. Actually, I should have brought my mask. Even if we get the debate, a couple more cups. Are there any more cups in the back? Our contestants are potched. We'll take a yeah. flask. We'll take a flask. My lovely lady, give us a flask if you may. All right, well, we are, well, we are on quest for more cups. Um, could our first two contestants introduce themselves? Scott Stoner. Richard Mansfield. I feel like I should just call for the vote right now. <laughs> That's how you do an introduction. Yeah, so, your question, are you ready? 
Do you think you can handle it? Yeah. Who will die first in a horror movie? <laughs> the jock or the bimbo? Hey, hey, you always wonder, one of them's going down first. Scott, <laughs> you're going to get the jock, and uh, congratulations, Richard, you get the bimbo. First words are yours. Get right up into that mic. Right here? Yep. Well, first off, in a horror movie, the jock is usually screwing the blonde bimbo. So if you go back, uh, God, Friday the 13th, Kevin Bacon, he, he was screwing, he died. Uh, most, most jocks, you know, they hang out in showers with other guys. They, they, you know, it's a good debate, it really is, because both are mindless, and you know neither one are going to make it. But I, I say the jocks because, uh, you know, you kind of really want them to die by the time they die. <laughs> They're such oh. assholes. Okay, hold on. And let's keep this at least kind of PG-13 here. Oh, but oh, all right, all right. Richard. Okay, it's true. Yes, you do want the jock to die, but for that reason, they do not kill him first. Yes, there's always a sex scene, but who dies first? The bimbo. The bimbo always dies first because then you get to watch as the jock runs scared, not like a big man working out in the showers with the men, like a pansy. And then you get to see him die like a pansy. Anyone see Cabin in the Woods? Who died first? The bimbo. Halloween, one through three, even the really terrible candy one, the bimbo died first every time during the sex scene. The bimbo. Okay, the best death in Halloween, though, is the jock. I'm sorry. He gets nailed to a door. Yes, now, the but the, the debate is not about the best. I understand that. It's about the first. Take, take, for example, the first scream. You have Drew Barrymore, and you have the jock taped to a chair, but he's already dead. He's not even established as a jock. She's established as a bimbo, though, because yes. he was her third boyfriend in that movie. He was wow, good. okay. Deep trivia, nicely played. Yes. So to top it off, the bimbo, as a matter of fact, will always die first simply because it's the person that everyone wants to see the least. They're never well-developed, ever. They're like two-dimensional characters, so they're the most disposable. Like, what story arc can you write with them? Oh, they're blonde. Okay, what can they do? Mm, well, they're stupid, so they can have sex. We'll do that. And then they're disposable. So they get disposed. It's that simple. The archetype alone makes it so they will die first. All right, hold on, Scott. Again, with the jock, most of the time with the blondes, you may even think that they're going to die first, but you don't necessarily, unless it's Pamela Anderson or something, <laughs> you don't want them to die. The, the jock, you want to see killed off first. I, I think, yes, you don't want to see the blonde die, but the reason you don't want to see them die is because you want to see them topless. But we've already established that after the sex scene, they and will die it's, first. It's so you see them topless, mission accomplished, then they get off. That and a shower scene. I do. All right, so we're going to wrap this bad boy up. Scott, final words on the jock dying. He's always a douche. <laughs> you raise an excellent point. All right, final word to you. Titties, then quitties. I got a new bumper sticker I got to print up. <laughs> Nicely played, gentlemen. Nicely played. All right. Scott and the jock. Oh, come on. Give some more love than that. All right. Richard and titties. All right, we've got a dungeon master down here with a sack of dice. If you roll a natural 100 on the random encounter tables for urban environments, you'll find me, Ben Mandal. <laughs> and next to you? Hi, I'm Miguel, and I'm confused. 
I'm suddenly confused as well, Miguel. Okay, so these two gentlemen are actually returning contestants from last time who felt the need once again to take the stage to prove their geeky worthiness. One of them may not be doing so well in there. Put the light down, Miguel. Okay. Are you ready for the final question of the evening? A true epic of our age. I don't know anyone here who I'm sure won't look at this and have said, yes, I've debated that. Who has the better chest? <laughs> Why didn't I get that one? George Clooney and the Batman nipple suit or Khan? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. See, I knew this was going to get y'all riled. All right. Ben. You're going to get Batman. I am the knight. Miguel. Khan, Nunian Singh. I will chase you around every single planet. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter. Do we have security on, on for this panel? All right. I'm yes, going to have a ninth question. Things would really get a little weird. Okay. Ben, begin. Do you know how confident Bruce Wayne is in his abilities as the world's greatest martial artist? So confident is he that not only does he put full stock in his ability to defeat anyone, be they superhuman or mere mortal, but he wants to look good doing it. He wants to reference that Adonis myth of ancient days. Every time you hear about the Dark Knight and how he takes back the streets of Gotham, you kind of want to be him too. Or maybe you want to be with him. Either way, Bruce Wayne's got it covered. All right. Miguel. All right. Now, this is where we're going to go here. You're not, we're not talking about the superhero. Batman is awesome. I'm not going to debate about Batman. We're talking about the chest. We're talking about the abs. We're talking about unhomoerotic <laughs> nipples. We're talking about the most glorious man nipples ever put to film. Can We're talking about natural, all natural, all Ricardo put in to film and make you feel like you're not even a real man anymore. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. But they are awesome. But what you got to ask yourself, are those nipples capable of stopping a bullet? No. <laughs> But when Batman suits up, you can stab him, you can fry him, but those nipples just keep on coming! No, they cannot stop a bullet, but they can cut a diamond. They can cut a diamond. They can make you go to Fantasy Island and want to say, Tattoo! Tattoo! Come here! The plane, boss! The plane! <laughs> now, it is true. Those nipples are quite impressive. I mean, they had quite the effect on Captain Kirk. Look at them. They will hypnotize you. They will make you think. But let's be I realistic love the here. Nipples. Do you think Joker was motivated entirely out of a desire to cause chaos? No. Little known fact here, guys. 20 years before the events of the Batman movies, Joker actually lost a competition to Bruce Wayne. Lost a girlfriend, too. Why? It wasn't because it was comedy night. It was because it was shirtless night, goddammit. And once again, Bruce Wayne, a child of privilege, might I add, had worked out in the gym, toning his every curve. Those nipples turned George Takei gay. <laughs> yes, yes, because as we all know, George needed a lot of help there. this we'll give you this but I mean, your opponents made some fantastic points as well so shame George ain't here we could ask him in person all right <laughs> I've completely lost control okay Ben your final words on the matter sir I know many of us here are looking forward to the upcoming film Dark Knight Rises well I simply have to say that many of us including George Takei well we rise a little bit ourselves the sight of a chest like that <laughs> I'm
I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared to ask this, but uh, Miguel, your final thoughts? Ladies and gentlemen, the nipples that have changed the world, that have made you scared, that have made you want, that have made the rock cry, who that have made your joker, Mr. Romero, die in his grave, rotisserie style, then weep. Khan is forever. The nipples are forever. The abs are forever! And the Batman dies forever! At least as Clooney. I love him as freaking Bale. Okay, all right. I'm not sure most of what you said there at the end. Okay. Okay. This is going to be a little frightening. Um, all right, round of applause, everybody. Ben and Le Batman. Miguel and Khan. All right, we have our eight finalists who are going to come back here tomorrow at 7.30. Right, this is the uh, early night of Khan, uh, and this room is pretty full. I appreciate all of you coming down. I think tomorrow we're going to be packed. Come on back. Bring some friends for the Phoenix Ultimate Geek Smackdown Finals. Thank you, everybody, and have a fantastic evening. Do we get to know uh, which won? one of us is coming back tomorrow? Because we're still kind of curious. <laughs> oh, no, Miguel. Oh, okay. you know awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs>